for indigenous peoples as well here in here on Turtle Island uh, to be in solidarity and to like not just be allies, not just be co-conspirators, but to be relatives and to take this fight and the struggle on as our own. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. And I'm Asa Winstanley. Welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. On March 30th, which is Land Day in Palestine, the NDN Collective released their position paper, The Right of Return is Land Back, which they say names their deep commitment to their Palestinian relatives and emphasizes why Indian countries should also stand for Palestinian liberation. Joining us to talk about this is Crystal Tubles, Demetrius Johnson, and Nadia Tanous of the Indian Collective. Thank you all for being with us today on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thanks for having us, Nora. Yes, thank you. Yeah, what's up, everyone? Well, uh, Crystal, let's start with you. You're the campaign director for Land Back uh, with the NDN Collective. Um, the position paper begins with an outline of parallel histories of settler colonialism on this continent and in Palestine. And three and a half centuries after the genocide of indigenous peoples on this continent uh, began by European colonists, it talks about the 1830 Indian Removal Act, which was a measure that was, as the paper says, designed to cut relationships Native peoples had with the land by removing us, destroying our homes, our medicines, our crops, our livestock, and killing any who resisted. Since the passing of the Indian Removal Act and U.S. expansion out west, the popular Wild West trope began where settlers positioned themselves as saviors and us as savages. And of course, this is so incredibly similar to the Zionist colonization plans and practices of legalized forced removal of Palestinians from their land. Um, can you talk about the significance of connecting these, these histories of colonial violence and the purpose of the Palestine position, position paper? Yeah, um, first, like, thank you for, for the introduction, and I'm really excited to be here. But, you know, ever <clears throat> our campaign is only like two and a half years old. We're, we're still a relatively yeah. new movement. We're a relatively new campaign. And, but I think from day one, whenever we launched the campaign, I knew that we would deepen our relationship with Palestine. I knew that that would be a priority for us. Um, and I knew it was something that we would center in our campaign. And, and the reason, one is obviously from my personal relationships and connections, you know, with Palestinian aunties who had like invested in me and taught me friendships with like Nadia and, you know, those ties, but also, you know, larger than all of that is also the fact that, you know, and we name this in the, in the position paper of like settler colonialism has a playbook yeah. and, and our oppressors, they communicate with each other. They, they collaborate with each other. They communicate, they work across, right? And so for us as peoples who are targeted by this, by settler colonialism, it's important that we also communicate, that we also collaborate, that we also build together um, and that we know the histories and that we understand, uh, you know, the various different timelines that exist with settler colonialism, right? So our peoples are 500 plus years into this, you know, and we're still resisting, we're still fighting, we're still holding on to our ways, our cultures, our language, our spirituality, and we're still fighting to reclaim our relationship with the land. And so I think that when we're talking about Palestine being 75, 74 years into settler colonialism, um, and we're seeing like an escalated, um, you know, an escalated oppression, right? Moving straight into an apartheid state. And so I think it's important that we look at that because when, when Palestinians go home, that means us as indigenous peoples here on Turtle Island, we are then closer to what our vision of sovereignty and liberation and freedom is, right? And so I think that it doesn't, it's not this like separate movement. It's not a separate thing that we're focusing on or like, you know, what may, some may think like is this like different struggle that's over there, out there, but it's actually something that's very close to home. We know what that process was like. We survived all of that. And now watching our siblings go through those processes as well, it is our responsibility to show up. It is our responsibility to like say, hey, this is how it played out with us. This is what happened with us. We don't have to do these things again. 
we can actually just like cut straight to what we need to cut to. Um, so I think that it's it's key for indigenous peoples as well here in, here on Turtle Island uh, to be in solidarity and to like not just be allies, not just be co-conspirators, but to be relatives and to take this fight and the struggle on as our own. And in the position paper, that's the intention that we've woven through the entire piece. Thank you. Um, Nadia, tell us a little bit about the process of putting this position paper together um, and how you've been working across Turtle Island, the present day US with native communities to strengthen and solidify these important bonds, not just you know theoretically, but in practice. Yeah, um, so I think I'll start with how I ended up at the Lambac campaign as a Lambac organizer. Um, it really is through personal relationships um, Crystal and I actually started to organize with each other um, at Standing Rock, but we never met in person. <laughs> and then we ended up meeting um, at in Penasco, New Mexico, um, about a year later. Yep. Um, and um, it just, you know, things developed, right? Because we, part of the commitment is, like you said, not just to have um, an analysis around what indigenous sovereignty and liberation looks like and what our responsibility is as people who live on this land. Um, and also as um, people who have been dispossessed and are actively being dispossessed by the same monsters and same systems, the same imperialist force, but to really confront US imperialism from the first front line, which is native communities. Um, that's where the US military was developed. And without that, without the United States military marauding against uh, Crystal's people, against Demetrius's people, um, we would not have US imperialism. And so um, I think, um, you know, Demetrius and I also go way back. Demetrius was one of the delegates on the Palestinian youth movement's indigenous youth delegation to Palestine. And so we met back when the PYM and Red Nation we're collabing. And um, so I take that really seriously because it means that those commitments and kind of your reference points are driven um, by the needs and the demands of the people that you know and the communities that they come from. We are all grassroots organizers who are deeply invested and committed with our home communities or to our home communities. So in terms of um, the, you know, coming to the Lambac campaign, I think um, the Lambac, you know, Lambac is a people's demand. Right, Indian Collective and the campaign is a facet of that, being able to actually carry that. We're able every day to come to, to our work um, from being grassroots organizers to now being able to try and think about what it means to be accountable to the front line, what it means to be able to resource land back struggles, like the one where you and I live, um, Nora, the West Berkeley Shell Mound, um, for example, right? Um, and, and so many struggles that are happening across Turtle Island. So in terms of the paper, um, it was pretty natural um, coming into the Lambac campaign, as Crystal said, you know, she had really prioritized Palestine and talking about how um, this needed to be focused on, this needs to be actively built out as part of the ongoing and natural and intentional reciprocal process between movements. And that process as the paper lays out between the historic commitments and the historic relationships between indigenous um, liberation movements and Palestinian movements in the spirit of internationalism and in the spirit of global indigenous solidarity. And I think you know, this was the second paper. Our first paper was demilitarism is decolonization or demilitarization is decolonization, really tackling um, militarism. Um, and militarization within indigenous communities um, and, and around the world, right? And I think, um, you know, one of my favorite stories that we uplifted and, and something that I also think this paper gives back um, a lot to Palestinian communities is some of the history that we maybe don't talk about or don't know about, but stories that I learned when the Palestinian youth movement's delegations went to Standing Rock and we were taught by, um, you know, Lakota elders. When we showed up, we we're like, where the heck have y'all been? And we were like, wait, you guys know us? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you all showed up here. Then we haven't seen you in a while. We're like, oh my God. And it's that story of, 
the Palestinian movement, right, and Palestinian leaders coming to Standing Rock specifically for the first International Indigenous Treaty Council um, and really thinking through what it meant to try and utilize different strategies for liberation. One of them is the United Nations Declaration for the Rights of Indigenous People and looking at the United Nations as one mechanism for liberation, you know, for, as, as a tool, right, in the larger movement, even as we as Palestinians don't use it you know, on an international level, we invested in developing out that strategy for our siblings and with our siblings based off of our experiences. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to uplift that because I think um, that's the spirit of this paper. It's not transactional. It really is stepping in what it means to be a good relative, what it means to be a principled and a principled struggle, and what it means to uplift, to know, and to unite with each other. Thank you. Um, Demetrius, I want to pull you into the conversation as well. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your work with, with the Indian Collective and, and the Land Back Movement and um, what you feel are, are maybe some of the most key or significant points in this paper? Yeah, so, um, you know, me and Nadia got hired, you know, within a week of each other. And so to me, like, you know, the land back movement, I've, I've learned from memers. Um, you know, I, I was I was involved in the meme community for a little bit. I was talking with some some First Nation homies, some indigenous youth. And um, yeah, th that's like, you know, they kind of popularized like what what land back means. And so for me, like coming into this campaign, I kind of already had like my own like idea of like what land back means. I mean, it's like not a complicated definition. It's just literally just like, you know, give us the land back, um, all the land back. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, all the land. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Indian collectives, you know, the, the, the history of like how this campaign came to be, um, you know, started from from right here where, where we're at right now, Hesapa, um, and, you know, protecting this land and um, protecting that sacred site, the Black Hills. And, you know, I remember like, because I, I, I've been a part of the Red Nation for seven years now. And, you know, kind of just like, you know, watching other like indigenous movements and like keeping an eye on Indian Collective and actually seeing like that action go down live. Um, that was like my first like connection or like, um, you know, like who, who is Crystal Tuples? And I just see her just like on top of the vehicle, just like shouting. And like, you see like Nick Tilson and I don't know, like just seeing like the the origins of like where the, this land back campaign came from, and finally like I never, you know, I me personally, I never um, met Crystal or talked with Crystal really until like my interview for for this position, and you know, just actually seeing like you know the the, the living legend, but also under like tell you know Crystal telling me oh like we're actually thinking of getting uh, Nadia on the team too, and I was like what Nadia like the the, the crew's coming together like what a <laughs> what a squad, um, but no like uh, you know Indian Collective's land back campaign we that, that that is like the the cornerstone of like what we're organizing around like actually like why we're here um, is you know the reclamation of of Hay Sapa. And that's like the 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 main thing that we're you know focused on, and like from there, like we believe like it's gonna be it's gonna blow up. Like if we can reclaim Hesapa, we can if we can reclaim the Black Hills, like that opens up so many other um, doors and avenues for you know other other Indigenous people to reclaim their sacred sites. Yeah. Um, but you know, other than that, like you know, we got we got our narrative, um, which you know right now we're working on our Landback magazine um hopefully be released by the end of this year that's like the goal we're going towards indigenous people's day so keep an eye out which will be about hey sapa um our political education which uh, nadia upholds um and our both of us really kind of like that's like our main like bread and butter work uh, nadia does our uh, land back you um it's like an online platform it's a free online educational platform talking about you know, like different struggles around Turtle Island, off Turtle Island, um, and how, you know, grassroots and frontline communities are, you know, reclaiming land or, um, you know, what, what all that means for, for the people um, doing that work. And alongside with the, with, with the land back you work is our position papers, which is, this is, this is, this is one of them. Um, 
and also like off, we, you know we re resource our frontline communities we uh, do movement support um, and also uh, the our land back agenda um you know it's a it's another piece of work that we're you know another reason why we're here just you know delving into like how do we one like how how do we get land back um through through education through resistance through like mobilization but also how do we do it like on different fronts um because there's you know there's a bunch of different ways a bunch of different tactics that you can use to to get land back and um you know like we're not trying to be a uh what do you call it like a one-trick pony out here <laughs> um but my my involvement in this position paper really came from um my long well i don't know what i don't know if that's long but um just me being like in this movement space for the past seven years um with the red nation and a lot of political education a lot of understanding of like what like what the palestinian resistance means to indigenous people and then it wasn't until 2018 um, where I was in connection with Nadia and, and the Palestinian youth movement. They're like, hey, like we're trying to get someone from Red Nation to, to go on a, on a delegation to Palestine. Like who, who's down to go? And the Red Nation just was just like, this guy's gone. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, like up until that point, like I didn't understand, like it's a whole different realization when like you're just like some res kid from Ganado, like, and you just read about, you know, what is happening around the world, but you know, you're kind of just like within like your own your own backyard, within like your own um, little bubble. Mm -hmm. But when you actually see like what's happening globally, what what's happening to other indigenous people, and making those connections, because my connections really came from like landscape. Um, when we first landed in, in Tel Aviv and went to our, our hostel, it was like, it was like midnight, it was like one o'clock in the morning. Um, but just driving around and like seeing like, oh, like people just like stopped in the intersections, just yelling at each other, just like asking like, what, what, like, how's the family been? Like, where, where, where are you going? Like, you need directions and seeing like packs of like little res dogs just walking around, just like, like, they, I don't know. It's just, it was literally just like home. Like, these are the same sights and sounds and landscapes like I see at home. Um, so I felt like no no disconnection and I actually felt really comfortable just being like on the other side of the world, never traveled internationally, never even really took a flight. And I was just like, wow, like this is this is eye-opening, but also, you know, just it's really inspiring too, um, knowing that the care and the history and um the connections that the Palestinian our Palestinian relatives have taken in in, in educating not only themselves but like you know the people here on a on on turtle island um, and i don't know i think that's like what we really wanted to like weave into the paper too is you know like how how would we explain this issue to our relatives how would we explain this issue to our grandmas our cousins our uncles our aunties like that's who we really wanted to gear this paper for um but yeah yeah, think, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I do want to ask you, you know, more about your experience on the ground in Palestine um, in a moment, but I want to go back to you, Crystal. Um, tell us a little bit about, well, I want to talk about the Palestinian right of return and the land back movement and how they are two, you know, sides of the same sphere. Um, what is the land back movement and how, you know, I mean, like when, when you say yes, yes, all the land, um, you know, this like immediate automatic vilification by the settler state around that and, and, and the, the extraordinary panic that settlers and, and the, you know, people in power kind of express about that, um, which is exactly what we see in Palestine when we talk about the right of return. Um, you know, so can you talk a little bit about the the land back movement and really it's 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 kind of practical implications um, and applications um, and and how it's connected to to the Palestinian right of return? Yeah, man. So that's the whole paper. Summarize <laughs> 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 the whole paper out here, but. Um, in terms of like what is land back, I think that's always like a really good starting point for conversations. And I think, you know, land back is the literal reclamation of land, right? 
And, and it's also the reclamation of everything stolen from us when we were forcibly removed, right? And so that means acknowledging that we were fully thriving economies and societies and communities pre-colonization. And so when we're talking about land back, you know, with the land also comes the reclamation of like ceremony and language and culture, spirituality, but also like governance systems, kinship systems, how we relate to each other, education, um, food security, healthcare, housing, mm -hmm. all of these things centered on our relationship to the land. And so when we're talking about land back, we're talking about reclaiming all of those things. And those things were specifically targeted and severed for a reason, right? Like by design, everything that we are experiencing in our communities to this day, the high rates of diabetes, the high rates of like high school dropout, suicide, drug and alcohol abuse, violence, domestic abuse, all of these things, they, they all have a root. And all of them go back. And I could probably spend a lot of time going through each one of those things and tracing it back to when we were forced to remove from the land. It all started then. And that's by design. You know, there's intention put into that. And so if there's going to be a social justice movement anywhere on these lands, then it has to start with land back. That is the root. That is how this so-called country was founded. Mm -hmm. And so that's what land back represents. It represents reclaiming relationship, reclaiming the land, reclaiming who we are. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what it is. That's all of those things are who we are. So it makes us who we are. But it's also it's also a reckoning and it's also claiming justice. Right. And so for us, that's that's what we're working towards with Land Back. Um, you know, and through our campaign, we do have like a heavy focus and emphasis on like public lands. Right because we know that national parks were not created for general public use and to save this pristine landscape the way that they like to push out in their narratives. But we know that national parks were created to strategically keep native peoples from their land. Every national park that exists, exists right next to a nation that exists, a fully thriving people. And that land was strategically placed in a national park to keep us from that. And so we do have a focus on public lands. But that doesn't mean that land back doesn't also include private owned lands, um, church owned lands, military owned lands, because those two are the largest landowners in the world. Not just here in the so-called US, the world, right? The Catholic church and the military. Um, and so thinking about that, you know, there are those that, excuse me, organize in that way, you know, and we see many different ways to reclaim land. You know, it's happening through legislation, it's happening through occupation, nonviolent direct action, through lawsuits, through purchasing land, through gifting of land, um, co-ops are being created, land trusts are being created, land taxes, you know, and like even like co-management, which is not land back, but it is a door that's opening towards land back, right? Renaming of places and spaces is not land back but it moves us in that direction, right? And so, you know, we're, we're seeing land back happen in many different ways and there is no one template for that. But I think the way that it applies is that's the exact same thing happening in Palestine is that disconnection from culture, from spirituality, from, from our four-legged relatives, from the plants, from, from the languages, um, all of those things. It's a very specific way of being targeted that separates and severs that relationship. Right. Um, and then the hope is, is that, you know, colonizers can come in and just like lay over the top of all of the things that existed before and just like prop up a so-called country, you know. And so I think that that's the connecting piece is that we see the same process. And so earlier when I said that settler colonialism has a playbook, we've seen this play before. And so now that we've seen it, when we collaborate and we work together, then we can address that you know, and we can, we can adjust tactic, we can adjust strategy, and we can build together and show up for each other in a way that prevents the levels of harm, right, and the generations that my peoples have had to experience trauma, right, to get us to this point here today, um, and so, yeah, those are the, those are the connecting pieces, and yeah, so when we're looking at right of return, that's exactly what right of return is asking for, is the same exact thing that Landback is asking for, 
Right. I mean, you know, talking about the national parks here in the so-called U.S., I mean, Nadia and I both know intimately um, how the, you know, the, the Israeli Lands Authority, they call it, and the Jewish National Fund um, worked together to, you know, not only like ethnically cleanse Palestinian villages, entire areas and regions of Palestine, but then they, you know, um, like literally planted forests on top of the ruins of villages and called it a national park in order to somehow prevent um, not just like the, the return to that land, um, but the, you know, the, the memory, the historical legacy of the people who were there, you know, just a generation before. Um, it's, it's astounding. Um, Nadia, what can you say about the delegation that um, that you took Demetrius on um, and other Native people, um, and and what was it like for you as a Palestinian American, um, you know, on this delegation of Indigenous folks? Yeah. Um, so the Indigenous Youth Delegation to Palestine was developed out of work that PYM had been engaging in across Turtle Island really um, since our inception um, as a, UN, a United States chapter, right, in the Bay Area. Um, and we learned a lot, you know, through our Black Mesa delegation, delegation of Black Mesa um, in 2013, 2012, 2013. Um, and then, um, you know, moving into um, local land back struggles. When we went to Standing Rock, we made that commitment to be on the ground from um, I think the first delegation we sent was in August. Um, and so we were on the ground and made the commitment to be there from September all the way till the end, whenever that would be there. We, we said seven months, we can commit to seven months. Um, and um, when we proposed the Indigenous Youth Delegation, we actually were talking with Crystal. Um, Megan Awad and I were talking with Crystal. Um, about what it looks like to actually uh, do this, right? So saying, okay, we're, we're, it's never enough, right? We're taking our responsibility, we're trying, right? To say, what does it mean for Palestinians to show up on the front line? What does it mean for Palestinians to show up in following the lead of our indigenous relatives and siblings here in order to, you know, not just say, uh, yes, okay, we're, we're living here in exile on stolen land, but to really take up the responsibility of what, I think, and what I was taught it means to be Palestinian, which is that we fight injustice wherever we are. We don't just fight for ourselves, right? That's in our practice, that's in who we are, um, that's in how we've struggled. And so I feel really lucky to come from a people who we have a history of internationalism. We carry that with such, you know, pride. Um, and of course, we also, you know, have to take up the responsibility in order to step into that right? Can't just say it. You have to think about it and do it, right? So that's what the Indigenous Youth Delegation was about. We've been here hosted on these lands, right? And with people, what does it mean to take Indigenous youth from Turtle Island in the Kingdom of Hawaii home with us? What does it mean for us to literally try, try to live and build with each other? What we ran into were some difficulties. You know, one was grassroots funding. The entire delegation, as with any PYM project, is 100% grassroots funded. And plane tickets to, you know, Lid Airport, so-called Tel Aviv, is, is tough, right? Um, and we also ran into the structural issues of oppression that Native people um, live under every day. The issues of passports, for example, the issue of um, previous incarceration and uh, strange fines that, you know, prevented people from leaving the so-called country. Um, a lot of things came up as a barrier, but in the end, you know, the, the, the way that we planned it, put it all together, it, it worked out. And I think the funny thing is, Nora, you know, I have only been to Palestine at that point five times in my life, right? And um, three of them were from when I was little. Um, and at that, that point, the last time I had been was in 2013. And the time before that was the second Intifada um, when I was there on the ground um, as a child. And so um, when we went in 2018, 
I have a really good memory and I really um, had the responsibility of kind of directing us. And it was interesting how much I remembered. And I think people were like, oh, how many times, you know, so you've been here a lot. I'm like, guys, I grew up in exile. Like I'm born in Oakland, California. Like, I'm like, you know, Ohlone territory. Like I'm, I've been in exile my whole life. And there's a reason I've had to go back by myself, you know, because I'm, I'm in my immediate family. I'm one of the only ones who can go back. And that's always contingent, as you know, based on the Israeli military authority. And so what it was like for me and for the other Palestinians from the Palestinian youth movement who were also delegates on the, on the trip, um, it was extremely powerful. That delegation has stuck with us and it will continue to inform our existence for the rest of our lives. And what it also did was it helped us as the Palestinian youth movement figure out and try to build out an infrastructure for what it looks like to actually engage in um, principled and uh, transformative joint struggle. And so that's what that's what has has happened, um, trying to really delve into these things. And I think it was lastly really transformative for Palestinians on the ground to meet um, indigenous peoples from Turtle Island and the Kingdom of Hawaii. Um, there's a story that uh, is one of my favorite stories from the delegation where we were in Dehesha refugee camp and we were walking, right? And this mob of kids mm -hmm. came and they were like so excited, right? And they're like all sizes, all ages. And they're just talking with us. And I'm trying to translate, like we're all trying to translate because I'm just asking all these questions. And this boy, I think he was like 14. He came up to Demetrius and he was like, I know you guys. And right. And I was like, what do you mean you know these guys? Like, I know you guys. He's like, this is what happened. And he started just listing off mm -hmm. history, mostly about the Lakota struggle, actually. Mm -hmm. And he just started going off. He's like, and on the plains, this is what happened. And this is a thing with Custer. He's going <laughs> off, right? And I'm like, how do you know this? He's like, oh, my dad has a book in Arabic in his library. Mm -hmm. And so I sat and I read it. And I said, have you ever been to Turtle Island? He's like, I've never left Dehesha. Mm -hmm. Not once, right? Never left this place. And it was that power of knowing that like, you know, Crystal has never been to Palestine and knowing that there's that strength and not having to see it for yourself to know it intrinsically. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's another power is being able to actually fight for something and for, a, for, for something that most people think is already lost, right? Land back, well, just give it up because it's a struggle that's already been lost or Palestine, freeing Palestine from the river to the sea, full return of every Palestinian to the land and the full return of the land to every Palestinian, right? It's lost, give it up. But what we can see actually is that land back is happening more and more every day. There are more cases of land back every single month. And so, and then we come from land back organizers. Lambeck is as old as our people have been resisting from the time the first settlers stepped on our lands. That's what it is. And so we know that the right of return, regardless of the fragmentation, regardless of the difficulties that we have in the Palestinian movement, as is any community, we know that the right of return is a central demand and the right for full return and full liberation is a central demand that we will never give up for anybody. No matter what, it is not negotiable just as the Black Hills are not for sale and they will never be for sale, right? Because it's the center, the land convenes who we are. And, and, and in all honesty, Palestine is a political struggle. Our struggle is for our political rights, not just our human rights, but the struggle is deeply connected to the land. We're not fighting for Palestine to exist in the sky. We're not fighting for us to be able to exist as a shattered people across the world living for generations in refugee camps, living for generations in exile with the hope that we get absorbed in some, some settler colonial nation to become American. We're fighting for our dignity and for the full return of ourselves to ourselves. That's what we're fighting for. Um, and so um, just to say, I think the indigenous youth delegation was extremely powerful because every single delegate who came felt like they were 
home and felt like they were welcomed and felt like they knew something intimately already that they were bringing in there. So um, the last thing I'll say is Yakub Ode, um, uh, elder and a leader from the village of Lifta, yeah. he looked at Malia Huleman um, at the end of our tour with him. And he said, don't worry, don't worry, and don't give up. The land will come back. It's already on its way. Don't worry about them. And he's 90 something years old and he's yeah. still fighting, yeah. you know, he's yeah. still fighting. So we just also uplift our elders like Yakub Ode, Madonna Thunderhawk, who have been fighting and have been teaching us what it means to hold these slogans and to hold these movements and to let nobody compromise their principles. It's oh, beautiful. Thank you, Nadia. Uh, Demetrius, um, you were, I, I could see you're getting a little emotional about, um, you know, Nadia talking about what happened in Dehesha. Um, can you, can you tell us a, a couple of other kind of moments of that trip and, and how it has helped inform and catalyze um, the work that, that you and Crystal are doing? Yeah, um, I don't know, just like that specific part about, you know, that, that kid. Well, first of all, like I used to be like a football coach before even I got like politicized. Like um, I just always loved sports. I always loved like working with the kids. I, I wanted to be a teacher, um, but I don't know, just something about like, you know, this kid, like, you know, telling me like this history, like I had to learn like throughout college because they don't teach it. They don't teach it in high school or middle school or whatever. Like I had to learn this in college. Um, and this, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a little guy. Nadia says he's 14, but I was like, he's like 11, he's like 10, like he's, he's a baby, but he's just telling me like all this, you know, all this history and like the fact that he's just like, yeah, but I've never left this place, but I know about you guys, like, oh man, like, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's like our connection, you know, someone who me have never really, I've never left the Southwest, I've always lived in Albert, or either in Arizona or in New Mexico, and so um just kind of hearing that I was just like man like that's there's there's something there and I, I just think of my little cousins too I think of my nephews my nieces like they're the same way like they they also really never left their like communities um but um man oh my gosh there's like so much like I every time me and Nadia like get together like we just always reminisce too like just that delegation which is really just something else um I think one of my favorite parts is obviously the food. Oh my gosh, the food. So we go to, we go, we go to, we go to Batir. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh. So I, the, the Batir is like the place, like they have like, they just have like gardens, like just gardens and gardens and just vegetables and crops. And like, they're just growing like food everywhere. Like, but there's like this little, just like a little restaurant, right? Like after we get this whole tour of this beautiful place and talking about like, you know, like, oh, like this is this is the, actually the place like they just could not capture because like it was just like so strategic, but like they just, they were really smart. They were really smart and like they were very clever. Like they made themselves bigger than like what they actually, you know, who like what they actually were. Like they just like had lights and like all these houses, like they had like, like clothes just hanging around. Like they just like, oh, there's like a whole ass army here. Like let's not mess with these guys. Like, and like it worked. And they're, like there were like 11 people <laughs> holding it down and he said they didn't even wear the clothes they just kept washing them and putting them on the line and like i don't know like and like i've never seen like a more beautiful garden in my life i've never tasted i i mean okay so confession i don't like vegetables but <laughs> palestinian vegetables <laughs> I was eating tomatoes, I was eating cucumbers, I was eating like, I was eating everything they were throwing at me because I never had anything more like delicious in my life, but I'm telling you like, so anyways, like the tier at the end, like, you know, we're walking through the villages, we're walking through the gardens, you're showing, we're going up and down everywhere, like we're, we're, we're exploring this whole place, this whole place, and then there's like this little, little restaurant, and like, I don't know, they just like, you know, they have like bottles of bottles of just like drinks, like, okay, cool. You bring out like this huge, just like <laughs> giant pan. And it has like, I don't know, like eight chickens, like eight whole chickens on it. 
and there's two two of these things so there's like 16 chickens right <laughs> and it's just like laid like on a bed of just like rice and like I don't know some sort of sauce like some vegetables in there but then they also had like the little plates all around the table and I was just like <laughs> there's only like eight of us or ten of us like like how like I, I was like doing my part I was I was I was <laughs> I was carrying the team on my back. I was, I ate like two chickens. Like I was like eating like half that rice, but my goodness, like the food yeah. and just, but you know, that also just goes into like the hospitality of like, you know, indigenous people, like everywhere I've went and me being like a, like a, like a resident within, you know, so-called Albuquerque, which is Tiwa territories, the Pueblo people there, you know, they have feast days, you know, it's like a day where they open up their homes, open the communities to everyone people that they know and they invite people in and it's literally the same thing mm -hmm. they 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 feed everyone that comes they show them around the community they show them the dances the prayers um mm -hmm. and you know everyone eats together yeah. and that's just a whole day of just you know just welcoming you to our space and um, you know just having like that you know relationship just, just being good relatives really um so i don't know like just like that part really stuck with me but there was also one other part and then I'll, 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 I'll end it there but oh gosh it was I always I always feel bad now I always have to ask you but it's the place with the school yeah it was the, uh Al Nakab, right when we yep. went near Al Arakid mm -hmm. to oh, the yeah. medicine processing plant right to their village yep it was so, yeah it was a uh, it was a uh, it's a Bedouin village and just talking to them and, you know, going to the school and like this school's been like demolished, like I don't know how many times, but they keep rebuilding it. Um, and, you know, like just, just the, just them like wanting to have like education or just like, you know, fighting to like educate themselves, even though like he. Oh, this was Khan Al Ahmad actually. Oh, okay. With the school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we went to Khan Al Ahmad during the camp, during the oh, wow. uh, resistance and, and the, okay, yeah. sorry. We went a lot of places in yeah. those days. <laughs> and, you know, just going around and I was like, I don't know, like the, like the infrastructures are just like the, the way people are just like so resilient or like they just like make do with what they have. And, you know, there's places that look like my grandma's house. I mean, you know, people will call it like a shack or just like a rundown home, but like, it's not like, it's a, it's a home. Like, even though like if it's put together with like plywood or like tarp or whatever, like, you know, those are the same upbringings I, like I grew up with. That's, that's like, that's, that, that's my fam that's my grandma's house. Um, and we don't think it's rundown. Like it's actually well kept. It's, 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 a, it's our, it's a place, it's our home. It's where, it's where my belly button's buried. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's home. Um, but also like, you know, there's like this in like in the middle of the village, it's just like this, like this, you know, the sheep, the sheep and the goats. And they're just like in there, like they're just like doing their thing. But it's like the sheep corral and the goats, like it just looked like it looks exactly the same. It's just like just like like little barbed wire or like, I don't know, just like like little pieces of like scrap wood, just like just to create like a corral, right? But but and like, I don't know, like all my, all my Diné homies will get it. All the, all the people that have like sheep, but like, you know, on the sheep corral, right there, like around the top, top corner of the sheep corral is a Wi-Fi router. <laughs> and I was just oh like, we're, we're out here. Like, gotta have internet. I mean, like, we, we, ain't got, we ain't got internet. We hardly get electricity, like just being honest. <laughs> but right? Yeah, but y'all got Wi-Fi, like. Man. Yeah, these sheep, these sheep out here watching Netflix. Like, oh man, I love it. But, I love it. I don't know. Like those are the things like I held on to like the yeah. most. Like you know, it, it is home, and it it is it is it is rowdy, and it is like you know, kind of just like like I don't know what the word is. Just like it can be like overwhelming, but also like it's just like the people that make it feel like home. It's the people that you know like bring everything together and that's exactly what it is like back in back in Ganado like you know people say like it's, in, it's like out in the middle of nowhere like there's like nothing really out there but it's like the people it's your relatives it's the family that really make it like a, a really really special place um but yeah that's so, beautiful that's and our executive director's father's family is from Batir um and mm. his mother's from Lifta so mm. I know that 
that he'll be he'll be happy to hear your experiences in those places. Um, Crystal, uh, what have been some of the reactions and also like calls to action um, in ways that indigenous folks are already using the position paper um, and and what are the next steps in in you know in in meeting these demands that you've all laid out? Oh man. So, I mean, reactions were definitely um, overall from Indigenous communities were supportive. I mean, and I think people, even some of the responses that we had conversations with folks and we're like, we need to like, we need to prepare you for, for backlash, right? And like, we were very aware of that from the start. And so we were really protective of our whole organization and like did a lot of groundwork and prepping ourselves and bracing people for it, all of that. And um, and then we would have conversations with folks who we thought we really needed to support and kind of bring along. And they were like, well, of course. <laughs> they, were, they were just like, yeah, it makes sense. Like that's the natural, that's the natural thing. Um, and I think for the most part, that has been the response is that that native folks here are just like, well, yeah, like that's what we went through. And then when you lay out the history and the parallels that exist, yeah. they're like, yeah, that just makes sense, you know? And so I think that overall has been the response. Um, you know, I think, I also think like we, we've, we're treading, um, I don't know if it's like necessarily new territory, but I, I think we're, we're moving into a space, um, you know, and a, and a path that has been less traveled around indigeneity and acknowledging Palestinian peoples as indigenous siblings to us, right? And I think that we're, we're moving into that space and like, we, we say who our relatives are, you know, like we don't wait for the state to say who we, who we are and who we're connected to and who we're related to. We don't wait for the state to say who is who and what our identities are. We define that. Um, and so I think like that, that is a big thing that, um, you know, we're stepping into and that we're, we're pushing um, and we're not standing down from that. You know, we're, our organization has stepped into many coalitions and spaces where we are actively supporting and like calling for, you know, different organizations to not take trips to apartheid states. Uh, you know, we're, we're calling for the defunding of different spaces that fund these things. Um, and the ironic thing is, <laughs> is that um, we didn't receive the amount of Zionist backlash that we thought we would. Mm. And I, I think it's because we're, we're a different kind of group. <laughs> you know, it's a very different thing right now. Um, and so we're, you know, we're sitting with all of that. We're exploring it. And in terms of next steps, like, we're continuously, we're continuing to go and to find ways to put the paper into action, right? Like, I think we're still kind of in that, like, after period of, like, interviews and conversation and, like, really diving into that. But we're, our organization is already making some pretty large commitments, um, you know, and I can't name a whole lot of things publicly, but we, we have some pretty big commitments that are rolling out soon. Um, and so, you know, our we're, we're here, we're not backing down, we're not going anywhere, um, you know, and we're, we're committed to this work, you know, and like we see each other that way. And so I think that, yeah, there's big next steps, um, you know, and there's, there's some smaller steps in terms of like building with each other, being in coalition with each other, having some tangible calls to actions, things like that. And we're, you know, we're doing the legwork of meeting that together. Um, and I think as we go deeper, you know, we will even explore like what, you know, like what, what are the various different tactics and strategies around reclaiming land and how does that look and what does that look like in, in the international um, movement space, right? And so we're, we're in those conversations, we're still exploring all of that, we're seeing, you know, trying to take our experience and knowledge and see how it applies, what doesn't work, what does work. Um, yeah, so I'd say that's kind of where we are right now and we're, we're not going anywhere. I think that as we went on with this process, like our organization and individuals in our organization, we're, we're about 60 people in our organization who are politicized at varying different degrees. Um, 
But I will say that the impact that doing this paper has left with each individual in our organization has been powerful. And I see a level of commitment from folks I did not expect it from. And I see them really stepping into this work too. Um, in, in feeling, right? Not just like knowing like strategically, tactically, mm -hmm. this makes sense, but they feel it um, and they're moving with that. And so, yeah, I would say we, there's a lot of work to be done still, um, you know, but we're, we're not going anywhere. We're here for it. That's phenomenal. Uh, and where can people, uh, we're going to put the link up, obviously, um, to, uh, you know, on the post that accompanies this episode. But if people want to learn more about the Indian Collective, about PYM, about Red Nation, um, where can they go? Yeah, so for Indian Collective, just indiancollective.org, but the Land Back campaign, we have our own website, landback.org. Um, you know, all the things that we're working on are on there. Land Back U registrations on there. Some of our past presentations, our modules are on there. Our position papers um, are all on the, the Indian Collective website. So you can go to either indiancollective.org or landback.org. And we actually have the blog of the right of return as land back position paper going up in Arabic sometime very soon, um, along with resources on Standing Rock that are written in Arabic um, for uh, the Arabic speaking audience and for people back home to be able to read it, adjust it, and talk about this paper. Um, for Palestinian Youth Movement, follow PYM socials, Palestinian Youth Movement. You'll see us, we got louder and louder every year, alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, and Red Nation. Yeah, and then for Red Nation, uh, we've got our website, uh, therednation.org, or you can also follow us on our social medias at the Red Nation Movement. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Well, this has been a phenomenal discussion. I, I expect this is just the first of many. Um, I am so grateful for all three of you joining us today on the Electronic Intifada podcast, Crystal Tubles, Demetrius Johnson, and Nadia Tanous of the Indian Collective's Land Back campaign. And um, yeah, thank you so much for all that you do. And we'll, we'll have you back on very soon. Thanks for having us, Nora. Yes, thank, thank you, Nora. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for watching this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit like, leave a comment. These engagements help us with the YouTube algorithm and it helps us to get around Silicon Valley censorship as much as possible. It does make a difference. You can also support our journalism by going to electronicintifada.net and clicking on donate now. Thank you.